the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, it is. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. We are ready to rock and roll at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Wednesday. It's the 18th morning of the eighth month of the year of our Lord, 2021. I appreciate you being with us. we got a lot of very important things to discuss today. Yes, we are going to start with Afghanistan again because Americans are dying and Americans are in grave jeopardy because of the decision-making of the President of the United States and his wholly incompetent leadership team in the U.S. State Department and inside the U.S. Pentagon. It is that bad. It is that disastrous. It is not Saigon, as many have said. It is probably worse than Saigon. In Saigon, and uh, you know, toward the end of the Vietnam War, when the... Uh, workers and the Americans were on top of the U.S. Embassy waiting to be rescued. The rescues came. In Joe Biden's America, in Joe Biden's world of Americans in hostile countries being overrun by terrorists because of their disastrous pullout decisions and the carrying out of said mission, they are being told, "You're, you're on your own. Let me say that again. Joe Biden said we will not be rescuing people from the roof of the embassy in Afghanistan. And he meant it. That if you want to be rescued, you're going to have to do it yourself. It is far worse, honestly, than what Saigon was. So we're going to be talking about that this morning. Not solely about Afghanistan, but yes, we are going to lead with that. Coming up at 9.35 this morning, we are going to talk with Tom Amenta. He, we, here's what we wanted, really. We wanted to get some... Um, uh, some uh, military expertise onto the program. We wanted to talk to some veterans, and that is exactly what we we're going to do. Tom Amenta enlisted into the uh, uh, U.S. Army on his 18th birthday, following five years as a member of the 75th Ranger Regiment uh, and two combat tours. 
in support of Operation Enduring Freedom. Tom Amenta is now evaluating what is going on in Afghanistan. He will share that with us at 9.35. At 10.10, we go back to domestic issues here in the state of Ohio in particular. Jack Windsor of the Ohio Press Network and our State House correspondents here for WHK AM 1420 will be with us. We've got a host of things to talk about with Jack. And then uh, coming up at 10.35, we are going to be speaking with uh, Charlie Spearing, and that's going to be another conversation about what's going on. Uh, with respect to our military, our national security, and, yes, Americans who are in jeopardy in Afghanistan. So all of those guests are coming up, and I will advise you, as I always do, to pick your spots. When we're guest-heavy like that, be listening for the breaks in the action. When I tell you that I've got somebody coming up, plan to call toward the end of that interview because I'll have an open segment for you right after. If I tell you another interview is coming up, plan to call right away so you can get in before those interviews. Pick your spots be- before after and in between guests so that we can hear from you on the phones today. 216-901-0945, 888-281-1110. Either one of those numbers will get you live and on the radio. And before we do any of that, let's pause for our Pledge of Allegiance. Patriots, please stand, face your flag if you have one. Put your hand over your heart and join us in the pledge. American Democrats, leftists and radicals, go ahead and take your knee, take your seat, grumble about how horribly systemically racist this country is the rest of us will take care of the patriotism for you i pledge allegiance to the flag of the united states of america and to the republic for which it stands one nation under god indivisible with liberty and justice for all yeah, charlie spearing by the way is bright house white house a uh, bright house White House, too many Christmas. Bright Bart, White House correspondent, will be joining us to talk again about more about Afghanistan. That'll be at ten thirty-five this morning. All right, uh, I want to start with uh, the most obvious uh, part of this story, and that is the fact that the state, in the, in the most glaring, and the most disgusting, and the most reprehensible, and the most you know embarrassing, um, the Biden White House, the Biden Pentagon, the Biden State Department, kind of a kind of a triumvirate there is essentially telling stranded Americans in Afghanistan whose lives are just simply in grave danger. There's no other way to say it. Their lives are in grave danger. All Americans left behind, as well as Afghans who helped the American cause when we went in in November of 2001, after the attacks on our country, the 9-11 terrorist attacks on our country. We went there to get the Taliban, because the Taliban is who did uh, the planning and the staging and the uh, training and the funding of, of uh, the al-Qaeda fighters who, um, who went on to, to kill 3,000 Americans. So we have a lot of Afghan allies. They lost 66,000 Afghanis in the last 20 years of this quote-unquote you know, ongoing or never-ending war. 66,000 of them fighting against the Taliban to try to stop the Taliban from returning to power. American forces fought hard as well, didn't have nearly as many casualties. And while one is too many, 2,448 Americans, by last count that I saw, had lost their lives in this Afghanistan campaign. 66,000 Afghanis. So in other words, Americans and America supporters are stranded in Afghanistan and in serious grave jeopardy uh, because the Taliban has reconstituted itself and flipped around and taken over the country in a blink of an eye. 
exactly what Joe Biden said would not happen. The State Department's response to stranded Americans stuck in Afghanistan right now, good luck. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing that, but only slightly, only slightly. The State Department's message was, and I'll give you a direct quote now, not a paraphrase, thank you for registering your request to be evacuated from Afghanistan. Please make your way to the Hamid Karzai International Airport at this time. Please be advised that the United States cannot guarantee your security as you make this trip. End quote. Wait, what? If you're in Afghanistan and you are in grave danger because of our muddled, incoherent, ridiculously short-sighted troop withdrawal policy put in place by this president, Joseph Biden, if you are in jeopardy because of that, we can't guarantee your safety as you try to make your way to the airport. So you can either shelter in place and hunker down where you are and hope the Taliban doesn't find you for a while, or you can make the trip to the airport where we will fly you out of there if you ever get there. But by the way, on the way, you're going to have to get through several Taliban checkpoints, you see, because they don't want you and others that they wish to punish for your deeds over the last 20 years. They don't want you evacuated. They don't want you leaving the country. They want you to pay a price. Think about that for a moment. Hopefully someone can get word to the stranded Americans that making their way to the airport, as they have been instructed to do, they will have to go through Taliban checkpoints. Taliban checkpoints. The Biden administration later said they're relying on the Taliban to be kind. (laughs) I'm sorry, I didn't mean to chuckle. The Biden administration said yesterday they are counting on the Taliban being kind and let people enter the airport. Do you understand what is being done here? We went from America first under Donald Trump and, hey, American enemies, don't blank with us. We'll shove, you know, Moab, we'll drop Moabs on you which he did, we will surgically strike your terror leaders like General Soleimani, which he did, and we will do whatever it takes to make you know that the United States is not to be trifled with again. And guess what? Kim Jong-un stopped testing missiles. Stopped testing nuclear-tipped missiles during the time of the, uh, the Trump administration. Xi Jinping leading the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, the Chinese government, bowed to Donald Trump's demand for a more fair and equitable, this is one of those times when equity should be something that is sought, uh, trade agreement between the countries because they were taking advantage of us to the tune of billions and billions of dollars in net losses uh, every year. Xi Jinping fell in line. When Donald Trump was in office, and I'm not just using this to be a Trump fanboy at all, but when Donald Trump was in office, our enemies 
feared us again. Our allies, some of them were uncomfortable because of Donald Trump's language, but our allies knew that the United States had their back, and our allies knew that they should have the United States back, and our enemies knew to be afraid of messing around again. They didn't know what Donald Trump was going to do. Joe Biden has come in here and taken Barack Obama's 2009 American Apology Tour and put that on steroids. Joe Biden orders the cancellation of the Keystone XL pipeline, orders an end to the drilling leases for drilling offshore, taking America from energy independence and being net exporters of energy for the first time in American history, into Joe Biden going on national TV and pleading with OPEC, the oil uh, exporting nations, oil and petroleum nations, uh, to please ramp up their production and get us more oil. Our, we're, we're running low and our prices are through the roof. Wait, what? You're begging America's enemies who produce oil to produce more oil for us when we don't need their oil. We have plenty of it here. We were net exporters. You got Joe Biden giving the Taliban control over Afghanistan, something we fought very hard for starting in November of 2001 and maintained control of Afghanistan and for the Afghani people for the last 20 years, giving it right back and then pleading with the Taliban, please let our people get to the airport. Please. Don't kidnap and kill American citizens or Afghanis who were uh, uh, assisting us, our interpreters, our translators. Please don't torture and kill their families. He's on a. It's more than the apology tour of Obama because it's the begging tour. Please help us. Please don't try to do anything that's going to harm us because then I'm going to have to find a way to come up with a response to that. And quite frankly, I'm just not up to it. That's, I mean, this is Joe Biden's mentality. It's not a joke. Here's what is a joke. Joe Biden's speech, when he came back from his little break, his little Camp David vacation, and, and spent a few minutes talking to the press, not talking to the press, rather, or with the press, just to get, delivering a statement and then running away so he wouldn't have to talk to the press. But in his statement, he declared that this is not a disaster because we prepared for every contingency. Really? We prepared for every contingency? Then why are Americans scrambling to get to an airport that you have said, we don't have a game plan for you to get there safely? That would be a contingency. Andrew McCarthy wrote in the National Review yesterday, given this shocking notification, it is worth remembering what President Biden represented to the nation. Twice he assured us his administration had planned for every contingency expressly, including the rapid collapse we're seeing now, i.e. the collapse of the U.S.-backed regime in Kabul and the takeover of the country by the Taliban. One glaringly obvious and imperative contingency, of course, would be the safe evacuation of American civilians, which they are now saying out loud they cannot guarantee. What happened to the contingencies? Guy Benson in Town Hall, townhall.com. It's darkly laughable for Biden to claim his administration planned for every contingency. Apparently, the reality contingency didn't make the cut. 
despite senior military officials warning against the course of action and advocates for America's loyal Afghan allies outright begging for an orderly plan to deliver them to safety before the Taliban seized control and came knocking. There was no contingency plan because they had no earthly idea what they were doing. And the way we, the reason we know this, again, is from Joe Biden's own mouth January 8th, just eight or five weeks ago, in which he declared that there will be no way the Taliban will be able to sweep over Afghanistan, certainly over the capital, certainly over the U.S. embassy. There was only 75,000 of them, and they don't have an air force. They can't do it. We're not worried about it. It is exactly, there will be no helicopters evacuating people. Well, they're right about that, but only because he won't send them. He's just telling people you're on your own to get transported from where you are in Afghanistan in grave jeopardy and and, and dire circumstances to an airport, which is also probably not the most secure place to be in order to get on one of our cargo planes so that we can get you out of there. My friends, this is a national embarrassment. And moreover, it's a national security disaster. National security is perhaps the number one job responsibility of the President of the United States, the Commander-in-Chief. Protect the people of this nation. More than anything else, protect the people of this nation. And that doesn't just mean when they're within our borders. Protecting the people of this nation includes when they are serving this nation in embassies overseas. Joe Biden should be impeached over this. It's 923. We'll take a time out. Come right back. I do want to hear from you on AM 1420, The Answer. Download the free WHK mobile app and listen to your favorite WHK programs or podcasts on the go. It's free in your app store. Okay, it's 925. Let's get in a few phone calls here before we start talking to experts uh, after the bottom of the hour news. Tom in Cleveland. Tom, thanks for joining us on AM 1420. The answer, go right ahead, sir. Hey, Bob. Uh, I'll lay this out real quick and uh, and try and get your take on it. All right. um, I've been noticing some pretty, pretty straightforward metrics between the Fast and the Furious debacle with uh, Barack and uh, this one with Joe here in Afghanistan. Uh, both of them have left, you know, either the cartel or the Taliban with insurmountable amounts of weaponry from the United States, not really trackable or traceable. It puts people in a dire situation, which makes them want to leave the country, which makes us open our doors to them. I'm wondering if that sounds at all feasible to be just kind of like Fast and the Furious 2.0. Um, I'll be honest with you, I, I, I missed a little bit of the details in the middle of that because we had some distortion on your line or, or our phone line, somebody's phone line. Could you repeat the, the, the meat of that in the middle, please? I got your comparison to Fast and Furious, which, of course, was one of Obama's biggest debacles, but uh, the, the meat of your comparison to this situation is where I missed it. Try it again. Um, yeah, they, well, we've left behind uh, lots of homers, uh, artillery, yeah. Uh, drones, things of that nature. The Taliban has gotten their hands on them. Um, of course, it'll make uh, strife in, in the Middle East. People are going to need to, you know, go, go to find sanctuary. I, right. I'm wondering if uh, it seems like the same type of 
Oh, okay. So you're just saying it's the weaponry that we left. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Well, this is that on steroids. Again, I hate to use that same cliched phrase, but yeah, leaving you know all of the guns that were uh, that were you know quote unquote left behind or essentially put into the hands of 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 the enemies and the cartels and so on and so forth and Fast and Furious um, are are pittance compared to the billions. I was I read yesterday, Tom, that literally billions of dollars of American military weaponry and equipment, Hummers as you said uh i mean all kinds of things uh, are are now in the hands of the of the taliban uh that they were abandoned essentially when the uh fighters uh, the the uh, uh you know the uh, afghani defense forces who were supposed to defend this which of course could not do so without american assistance when they vacated their their uh locations that all of that stuff was left behind and it is now all in their hands we're talking billions of dollars so yeah it's very similar um, you know, except that the only thing that I would say is a little bit different is that in this case, it was probably unintended, but inevitable. It was unintended, whereas in the Obama Fast and Furious program, those guns were intended to be in those hands, and they just thought they would be able to track them and lead them to the bigger fish. Uh, so in this case, it was unintended, but it is far, far, far more damaging, I think. Okay. Well, th- thank you for the take, Bob. I'm very proud of your show, sir. Thank you, sir, for for the call and for repeating that. I like I said, I had some distortion. I missed the part there. It was just a question about how do they compare to one another, and there is a comparison. But like I said, it was intentional in Fast and Furious. Then they lost the guns, and in this case, it wasn't intentional. But their actions were so negligent that how could they not have seen this coming? Uh, let's go to um, Charlie again in Westlake. Hey, Charlie, good to talk to you again, sir. Go right ahead. Hey, Bob, thanks for taking the call. Yes, sir. I'm, I'm 65 now, so I've watched all this. It's a big repeat of Jimmy Carter and and uh, Iran, and it's actually, this is actually probably about a hundred times worse than Iran. And all I'm doing, you know, I have a 92 year old mother who goes, "How can we get rid of Biden? How can we get rid of him?" And I said, "There's we got to wait till 2022, but we really should march on Washington for a resignation. We need a a, a resign march because this guy's got to go. He's got well, us into so." trouble this we we don't know where this is going to lead to this could lead to world war three this is really bad it is really bad because i think you mentioned yesterday the chinese are watching this right now and and maybe it was you maybe it's another caller i apologize if i got that wrong but but that very and thank you i'm sorry the strategy was to block China from the Middle East. That's what Afghanistan was okay, all about right. for the Soviets. So, yeah, so it was. Okay, and you're, you're, you're exactly right about that. And this could very much lead to, and thank you for the call, lead to Chinese being, the Chinese being emboldened uh, to act. So you're right, it could, I don't want to sound over dramatic here, but it could lead to World War Three or something very, very close to that. I don't disagree with you. And as far as marching on Washington for a... Um, you know, uh, to demand the resignation of this incompetent, uh, doddering old fool. I, I, I hate to say this, but are you allowed to watch a march on Washington anymore? Has our freedom of assembly been taken away from us because of what happened on January 6th? I don't know what would happen if we tried to marshal, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60,000 people together again and get them down to Washington to march to the White House and demand. I don't know what kind of conflicts would arise. I don't know what kind of obstacles you would find between the counter-protesters from Antifa and other places, along with probably an overly ambitious security force. After what happened on January 6th, I don't know if we're allowed to march anymore. It's a sad statement, but it's something to think about. We'll get the news now. Come right back on AM 1420, The Answer.
justice warriors. If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. 935 now we continue on AM 1420. The answer. Thank you for registering your request to be evacuated from Afghanistan. Please make your way to Hamid Karzai International Airport at this time. Please be advised, the United States cannot guarantee your security as you make this trip. As far as I can see it, that is a direct abandonment of American citizens and possibly American federal workers working for the State Department, working in the embassy that is being evacuated and being uh, turned over to the Taliban. The President of the United States, the Commander-in-Chief, the man who's responsible for our national security, is directly abandoning American citizens, saying, we can't provide you security from point A to point B in that airport to get you out of there. Good luck. You're on your own. I, I can only imagine how this strikes veterans. I can only imagine specifically how this strikes veterans who served in Operation Enduring Freedom, who served at some point in the 20-year war, uh, that is uh, that is officially coming to an end. I could argue that it kind of came to an end a long time ago, and we were merely a security force keeping the peace over the course of the last several years. But nonetheless, those who fought to defend American lives after 3,000 of them were taken on 9-11, 2001, now watching American lives being abandoned on almost direct command. You can't. We cannot guarantee your safety, so you're on your own. Joining us now with reaction is one of those fighters. Tom Amenta was a uh, U.S. Army Marine, or is a U.S. Army, uh, not Marine, excuse me, Ranger veteran. He served five years as a member of the 75th Ranger Regiment and served two combat tours in support of Operation Enduring Freedom. He's one of the uh, veterans featured in a new book called The 20-Year War, which is directly about what we are watching right now. So, uh, Tom, thank you so much for the time. I appreciate you coming on, sir. How are you? Bob, thank you so much for having me. But I do got to go back to that point really quick. Rangers are definitely not Marines. We don't eat crabs. No, <laughs> no, no. That was just a misspeak. But I do have it in front. No. Of me. I know you were a ranger, and uh, and no. I know ra- there's there's some, there's some friendly competition, right, between rangers and marines absolutely. and green berets no, and seals and so on, right? Yeah, I I any of my friends that might be in the in the Cleveland area are listening to this online if they if they hear it. Some of my armories, I'm sure my texts are going to light up when I when I get off for that one. But thank you, thank you so much for having me, and thank you for being willing to talk about. The book that I helped co-author, The 20-Year War, which is uh, a story about 71 different uh, veterans. It's a intimate portrait of what they are now, a sketch of their service, um, you know, and then what they're doing now uh, in this world. And we really appreciate that support. But also, I, you know, listening to your intro and talking about the abandonment, you're, I think you tragically, and I can't emphasize tragically enough, nailed it. Um, the, the, what the administration and their inability to seem to conceive of or plan for what could be the worst-case scenario in Afghanistan is playing out in real time, and it is heart-wrenching to watch. 
Yeah, uh, it, 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 it's more than that to me. It's, it's enraging because, you know, the, yes. our commitment is supposed to be to the American citizens and whether they're serving this mm-hmm. country in uniform or they're civilian serving, for example, in a, you know, in a, in a diplomatic role or a support role or even a contracted mm-hmm. worker in some capacity in a foreign country, particularly a hot zone. It is up to us to protect them and up to us to rescue them. And they are essentially saying, uh, the commander in chief literally is saying to the Taliban, we are asking you to be kind and allowing these people to get to the airport you're asking you're asking mass murderers you're asking an organization that literally funded and trained and provided material support for the 9-11 hijackers mm-hmm. of al-qaeda to be kind and let americans through and and afghanis who were uh sympathetic to the american cause and were assisting us we're asking them to be kind and let them through so that we can get them out of there well, uh, it, it, it just projects it, weakness does it not tom so the thing about it that, one, yes, I think there's a level of, of um, bargaining from a weekend's position here, but the thing that concerns me even more, that one of the, comment, the conversations I've had with many of my friends that were you know, in, in uniform or have worked in intelligence agencies or things like that, is the Taliban is not, of now is not the Taliban from 2001. When you look at the pictures and you look at their fighters, they all have trigger discipline. And what I mean by that is that in addition to being in the ranks regiment, I was also an infantry and combat tactics instructor in the National Guard. Their, their index finger is outside of the trigger well. It's right over the top of it, ready to engage, but actively safe, being safe. Their weapon barrels are pointed down or pointing away from their fellow comrades. They've trained. They've learned. You're looking at what they're doing for PR and things like that. And the redirect that their propaganda minister had yesterday talking about Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook is someone who works in PR and marketing and is an author. That was genius. Um, it's that they're learning. It's that they're getting better. And I honestly, on some levels, one of the scariest thoughts here in terms of them trying to uh, get into a place like the UN as time goes on or trying to say that they are in a viable government organization is their kindness, quote unquote, of getting Americans out safely and picking up the slack that the Biden administration seems to be incapable of doing because they did not have a plan to expel Americans has a second, third, and fourth order consequence that is that should really worry people if you understand how international politics play out. And my degree is in political science, too, so I'm not just, like, spouting off at the, at the mouth. I did the soldier thing, then I did the scholar thing in international relationships. And what's scary to me is we've not only completely bungled this from a tactical standpoint on the ground, it is so mismanaged right now. It is, we have so many problems. This was not planned out correctly, but we are also giving opportunity and we are also giving air to a second, third, and fourth order effect that can give the Taliban even more viability in certain sections around the world in their eyes. And that's, it's, that's it's, it's a lose, lose, lose all around. Yeah, that's a staggering thing to consider. Uh, we are talking with Tom Amenta. Tom is, uh, as he mentioned, the co-author along with Dan Blakely and Bo Simmons of a book called The 20-Year War. It's a photo book uh, and described as an unflinching look as what it, at what it means to serve both in uniform and out in this uh, uh, Operation Enduring Freedom in Afghanistan. Tom, uh, you know, you're talking on a micro level right now as we talk about bungling this particular operation and the uh, mm-hmm. the withdrawal of troops. I want to go bigger picture now and talk about whether okay. or not the troops should be withdrawn, or at least if we should not leave a base 
um, and, mm-hmm. and, a, and a security force there. Um, right. I, I read some really interesting comments yesterday from Mark Thiessen, who said, look, we, we battled in Germany, and we stayed in Germany and have been there for over 60 years. We battled in Korea, right. and we put a base there. And the reason why I mean in Japan, and he said, there is no country that is going to be able to fight off a stronger power without the presence of, of it, just the presence of a U.S. military force there, guiding them, training them, helping them, etc. It's what keeps the enemy at bay. Well, in this case, mm-hmm. the enemy is the Taliban. Um, yes. They probably would not make a run at the 300,000 or so Afghan security force with American troops there alongside. Right. Um, so this is a big picture. You were there. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying I want to commit any more blood or treasure to this either. Right. But is the is the potential for the Taliban re, re, returning to power and carrying on with their previous goals of, of you know, destruction mm-hmm. of infidels and jihad against the West, uh, is, there, is, is, is it potentially worse for us to get out, let that happen, and then have to send in 10,000, 20,000 more troops to take the land back over again? Yes. Now, let me let me pull this string and pull this out even more. And one of the narratives that I've been I've heard from the Biden administration and from um, other people that I want to quash immediately is the concept that the Afghan National Army or the Afghan National Police don't want to fight or are not willing to. According to the Brookings Institute, okay, America's premier think tank. This isn't some quack conspiracy theory. These are vetted data scientists. The estimation of Afghan National Army and Afghan National Police killed in action, not casualties, killed in action from 2014 to 2020 is 45,000. Wow. Okay? So all of this nonsense about them not being willing to fight, let's just dispel. They have fought and they have bled at a 2,000% increase over Americans. So to say they haven't pulled their weight is garbage. Why do you think he said that? Why do you think he wants that narrative to be there, that false narrative? Well, because, well, I, you know what, I, I don't know. Um, I, I mean, other than to support his withdrawal, but the next layer, the next brick to this, Bob, and the thing that really gets me is we, he name-checked three specific fears of operation and counterterrorism, counterterrorism practice. Iraq, we have 2,000 troops right there. He was in the Oval Office with the president of Iraq a month ago, shaking hands, saying that we were going to leave by the end of the year, quote, except for advisors and intelligence assets. Okay? Second place, he said, Syria. We have approximately 900 troops right there, again, of the advisor intel collecting, you know, group there. Three, Al-Shabaab and Horn of Africa. Now, the numbers on how many troops we have in Africa right now gets a little fuzzy because that's a really big continent, right? But we are slowly starting to establish, I've heard from multiple people, both currently in the military and in intelligence um, organizations around the world, establishing something akin to Camp Lemonier, a booty that the Trump administration pulled back. So we have four major theaters of operation, right? Three of them have a light touch, specific mandate troop presence that also has the support of, of drones, bombers, all the overhead air cover that you could need, the support assets that are in place for that. And right. one of them were leaving to a humanitarian crisis and disaster, watching Afghanis or Afghans, I'm sorry, so desperate to leave that they're falling off of C-17s. We have Americans all over this country that can't get back to Kabul, or we do not have the resources because he pulled them all out to go get them, which logistics in Afghanistan is an incredibly complicated thing that I can talk to you for an hour about. 
because it's not easy, and especially with the altitude and everything like that. Like, this is something that needed to be planned and needed to be considered, and it clearly wasn't. So, to me, I, I couldn't listen to that speech, and when he concluded that the buck stops with me or I will not destine a, a fifth president to, to deal with this, no, you have, President Biden. You have. You, we will go back. So my friends' children are going to put night vision down in front of their face, and they're going to have to go fight whatever comes after ISIS in the chain from Wahhabist Islam, Mujahideen in the 80s, to Al-Qaeda, to ISIS, to whoever's next coming out of the Taliban, coming out of Taliban-controlled Afghanistan. We're going to go back and we're going to fight them. And that's the tragedy of all of this, is because in addition to all the awful, horrific things that are going on right now, in addition to this absolute inconsistent lack of coherent policy, in the addition of an administration that so far refuses to actually admit that they've made a mistake and trying to correct that mistake, which is multiple admirals to do, the end state of all of this is something else is going to happen and we are going to go back. And, you know, the, the, the next question that I always get, and I've gotten a lot, is was it worth it so far? And... A friend of mine answered that for me when she told me that in the past 20 years, she was able to raise her children in peace because it wasn't another 9-11, that they got to see their grandfather and spend time with them. And as bad as it looks for fellow veterans as I am, and as angry as I am, as frustrated as I am, and as just all the emotion you can hear, that that was given not only to the American people, but the world. And I think she's 100% right. And I absolutely stand by we did the right thing. When we went in, we've done the right thing of trying to keep that evil at bay. Mm -hmm. But the flip side of the coin is, is if we don't find a way to fix this and fix this quick, that evil is going to unleash itself back on the world at some point. And we're going to have to do something to stop it, and that's going to lead to an even bigger loss of life. That is what my concern is, too. Yes, we're talking to Tom Amenta. He is a Ranger uh, veteran, 75th Ranger Regiment, spent five years there, two combat tours in support of Operation Enduring Freedom. Um, so you and others are watching the Taliban now take over uh, the land that you took from them in trying to promote peace and trying to uh, give the Afghans, and I'm glad, by the way, that you pointed out about their fighting uh, and, and all of the losses that they suffered because I thought it was just, I thought it was horrific uh, uh, for, for Joe Biden to disparage them as being unwilling to fight. But you guys have to be looking at this now at all of the gains that were made being undone Asking yourselves, mm -hmm. why did my friend get blown up? Why are some of my surviving veteran colleagues home right now without legs? Uh, why mm -hmm. are they suffering the way that they are? What was it for if we just turned around Hello? 20 years well, later and you. gave power back to the very evil organization that we, that we, you know, that we fought uh, starting in 2001? You know, here's, here's, here's the rub to that, and that is... Um, Soldiers don't make policy. We don't. Um, and so whatever the political apparatus and, and whatever those decisions are made, for whatever reasons, I, my friends, we are never going to have control of. The second thing is, is that I look at it, you know, really as someone who studied international theory, you've got to do a lot of game theory. So you always look at a four square matrix, right? It's opportunity cost. What is the opportunity cost of us not having done what we did over the past 20 years in order to make America and the world safer, as opposed to us leaving at some point before this with a plan 
that's roughly as good as the one we have right now. Okay, we are seeing the worst case play out, and it is very clear to everybody in the world, except for maybe the Biden administration right now, that the worst case is unacceptable. So I signed up. I'm going to speak only for myself on this one because I don't feel like it's appropriate for me to speak to any other veteran or any other experience, but I will speak only to me. I signed up in 1999 on my 18th birthday against the wishes of my family to defend America and make it a better place and to grow up a little bit as a person. I stepped off a plane in 2002 uh, as one of the first members of the 75th Ranger Regiment to deploy to combat since Panama. And I did that because I love this country. I did that because I believe in the American way. And I did that because sometimes in order to defend things that you love, you have to fight. And to me, was it worth it? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And I hope that all my fellow veterans that fought in Afghanistan see it that way. Because we know what goes bump in the night. We've seen it. We fought it. And we know that the chance to let that off the chain is unacceptable. Tom, I know you don't make policy, as you said. Soldiers don't make policy, but just real quick. I I, I despise the Biden administration, the radical uh, uh, socialist and Marxist organization that it is, but this is not political for me. This is not a partisan question or statement because the Biden administration wanted out. So did President Trump. So did, he said, Barack Obama. Uh, so, so we've had Republican and Democrat presidents who have said, and Republican and Democrat uh, elected officials in the legislature right now who have said, it's time for us to get out. We need to get out. We need to get out. All of them. Right. Um, so how do, you, how do you feel about that? Again, knowing what you just said, that because we're not going to leave that force behind, that security force with air cover, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that which we've done in other parts of the world, that we're going to have to, you know, strap them back up and go back in again. It's guaranteed, in your words, at some future date. Um, when, when virtually all sides of the political spectrum say get out of Afghanistan. Man, you're you're really give, you're really you're really pushing this. No, I. When it, it's tough. I know. I, I know. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that. I. Again, being the soldier and trying to strip the politics away, and I agree that this is, we've had two administrations that were Democrats and two administrations that were Republicans that were trying to figure this out. So if yeah. people want to keep making this a partisan issue, I think you're telling on yourself, to be completely honest, because that right there tells you the immense, uh, immense complexity of the situation mm-hmm. and of the solution. But, and so this is what I default back to, is how do we do it in a way or... How, whatever policy we have in a way that does not make things perceivably and precipitously worse, which is what we have right now. How do we make sure that Americans will be taken out properly, which we can't, provi- we cannot provide safety for our own people right now. Like, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, listening to this right now, whatever you've heard, the fact that we cannot secure lines of communication from a place like Jalalabad, which supposedly is having violence right now, or Asadabad or Herat or Kandahar, to get them to Kabul, right, is a failure of policy, is a failure of planning, okay? This is, and I'm saying this purely from a brass tacks, X's and O's perspective. Understood. Understood. And and that is where I go completely off on the administration, Bob. That's where I lose it. 
Yeah, no, I completely agree. This fiasco is 100% on the Biden administration because of the way he is doing this and because he uh, he backed out essentially on the agreement that was made by President Trump. Yes, there is some uniformity or unanimity, if you will, mm-hmm. among uh, among uh, you know the Republicans and Democrats about getting out, but only one administration was responsible for how this was conducted, and that is the Biden administration, and it's why we are in this terrible, terrible situation we are right now. Um, I want to remind people on the way out here uh, to look for the 20-year war. I'm looking at it right now at Amazon.com. The 20-Year War is a hardcover photo book by Dan Blakely, Tom Amenta, and Bo Simmons. Uh, it is a tremendous, eye-opening look uh, into the lives of 71 veterans of the global war on terror and many of those who, in, uh, who served in Operation Enduring Freedom, as uh, Tom Amenta well, did. Bob, I'll give your, I'll give your listeners a little uh, insight. If you go to the website that we set up as the authors, 20yearwar.com, if you spell it out, if you okay. purchase it there, 20yearwar.com, it'll ship today or tomorrow. We got them early, so you don't have to get the pre-order. You can get it today. That is awesome. So good to know. And I encourage everybody to take a look at this and order this up. Tom Amenta, thank you for your service in the Rangers. Thank you for your time today. And the very best of luck to you in the future. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Have a wonderful day. All right, 956. We're a little late, but that's all right. We'll come back right after this on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 9.58, time for a call or two before the top of the hour. We're going to get into Ohio uh, news and uh, COVID-19 and more with Jack Windsor coming up at 10.10. So we'll shift away from the war coverage or the former war coverage um, for just a bit. Then uh, at 10.35, we'll dive back into it again. For now, here's Bob in Medina. Hey, Bob, you're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, uh, Bob, uh, real quick here. I know we're short on time. Um, this deal with Biden and him making bad decisions and this and that, I mean, makes no sense. Obviously, we've been talking about it. And this is just my view and only my view. Can I prove it? No. But I truly, truly think that di- indirectly, I should say, Obama's pulling all the strings. I, I, I believe that with my heart. And uh, and it's just got his foot, you know, his fingerprints all over this. Everything that Obama, I mean, would do, he would do. That's why. Why do you think, though, that Bob and and I'm not disagreeing with you. I think there's a lot of people who think that Obama's behind the scenes pulling the strings because Joe Biden is simply cognitively incapable of doing so himself. But why wouldn't Obama, in eight years, have ended this and pulled everybody out at that time? He had because he was too to busy with other things. He was. He was too. Health. He, uh, the health. Um, um, I'm sorry. I, I, you know, my brain's going dead. But this health uh, uh, thing, Obamacare. You know, he spent a lot of time on that, and he he's just planting the seeds. They were they were expecting Hillary to win. Make no mistake. And then they were going to go on from there. Now, Biden, and when Obi- uh, Biden uh, was finally elected, I'm sure he was assured that we'll keep you out of trouble because, I mean, really, any other president like, like Trump, all the things that Biden has done and is doing, you know, I mean, he's got to have some sort of backup, and I think it's Obama. That's right. just my Bob, I appreciate you. No, I appreciate it. I don't disagree. No, it's not just speculation. I, I think there's some evidence for it. Thanks for the call. I think there's some evidence for that, and I've seen some others uh, make the very same claims. And I am, I'm among them. I have seen some evidence that, that indicates to me that Joe Biden is not acting on his own ideas. He is being manipulated by somebody behind the scenes, and who more likely than Barack Obama? 
Uh, nobody that I can think of. Jack Windsor will join us next on AM 1420 The Answer. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.